So, racer turned broadcaster, Calvin Fish. If you could describe this dinner we just had in one word, what would it be? Hungover. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's two. That's hung? One, that's one can one I be hung? You can be hung. <laughs> you can be hung, yeah. <laughs> and now for Dinner with Racers, presented by Continental Tire. With your hosts, Ryan Eversley and Sean Heckman. Placeholder Radio. racers somehow we have a second season so welcome i am one of the hosts sean heckman i'm one of the other hosts ryan eversley and uh we are literally driving to lax as we record uh, this is the end of a 40-day journey across 29 states 12,000 miles in a honda odyssey with uh, what kind of tires ryan continental tires and uh, all to deliver you a free podcast with uh, 28 different people in the racing industry. So uh, during the, the first round of our, of our travels, we started in Georgia after the Petit Le Mans weekend. Uh, met up with Johnny O'Connell, met with Ryan's dad. Uh, but one of the really cool people who also lives in the Atlanta area is none other than Calvin Fish. Uh, now, Calvin, most of you would know him as a uh, commentator, but the thing that people may not realize about Calvin is that not only was he a driver back in the day, but a pretty badass driver. He drove right. in Europe in uh, junior categories, racing against some upstart driver named Ayrton Senna. People might have heard of him. Uh, and he was known as the guy to beat Senna. That was kind of his call to fame back then. After that, went on, did some sports car stuff, uh, was part of the ever-famous Roush Gong Show, and just one of the coolest, most accommodating guys you could you could meet up with. He happened to be our first special word that we hadn't heard yet before, which you'll pick up on later on in the episode. Talked about some of the cooler guys to party with in the industry, and also talks about walking around naked in hotels. So we met up at Crispina on uh, Cobb Parkway in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, it's an interesting restaurant, to say the least. I had the scallops, I believe. And I think you had... Oh, I had a chicken sandwich. Right. And uh, but the roach that walked across the floor was complimentary. Yeah, that was on the house. And we have photos of it. We have photos, <laughs> and we do talk about it in the episode. Just so. tweet me, <laughs> and I'll send you the picture, because I'll be able to post it then. Yeah. So, all right, Calvin Fish, you heard it here first. Well, really, only heard it here exclusively. Dinner with Racers. Continental Tire. Meow. All right, we're going to start in five, four, three, two. 45. Oh, it was him. Holy cool. f***, it really was. Look at it, dude. Yeah. Dude's looking swole. Yeah. Now he got his, he got a workout in. Just left the gym. There he is. Did the hair. Like it. All right. It doesn't look like he knows where the door is. You can sit wherever you want if you want to sit closer to Ryan. We got stuff. <laughs> uh, a little while ago. Yeah, not too long ago. Yeah, yeah. We 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 never know what we're gonna get when we start setting up. You know, God knows what kind of technical problems we're gonna have, but this one went smooth. Cool. So, so we're all good. Have you ever worn a headset before? No, it's a good. Off to a good start. You use that same joke on Varsha. Yeah. Yeah, I got one joke. <laughs> this is, like, 
I can't speak for either of you, but you know how you start turning into your parents more and more? It actually makes me angry because my dad will pull the exact same joke on me gotcha. like five years straight. Right. And I'm getting angry not because it's the same joke, because I'm realizing, oh, f dad, this is exactly what I'm looking at in my future. I do it's, this. It's terrible. Yeah. 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 So. Do you have your Bob Varsha notes up and you're just going one by one? Yeah, I'm just going to do the exact same questions. <laughs> so when you We're did good to ESPN. Go. So do you like figure skating, Kel? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not me. <laughs> I actually got thrown off an ice skating rink once in Chicago. Oh, for what? Yeah, for going too slowly and holding on the rail all the way around. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> they said you got to go quicker or get out of here. Was it, it wasn't for picking a fight? Uh, no, it wasn't picking a fight. I thought it was going to be for like being belligerently drunk. Yeah, you know, because yeah. I've been yelled at a skating rink I for that. that. Was last night. <laughs> How did that go, by the way? It went okay, yeah. I mean, they're always a bit stressful, do you right. know what I mean? Because you want them to go right. Right, right. Um, Let me have you move it just a little away from your mouth. And um, That's good. Yeah, that's good. Give me okay? Yeah, you're good. And uh, You want something to drink? Uh, yeah. Could I get a um, glass of red wine, just a Merlot or something would be great. Cheers. Can I have one as well? Absolutely. Thank you. It's going to uh, go real well now. <laughs> <laughs> but it went good. Um I realize I need to get some glasses next year. They have the, the teleprompters way at the back sure. of the ballroom. Sure. And the font's pretty big, right. which is good. Right. But it's also bags. It means you get about three words per line. So when you're sailing Tequila <laughs> Patron, North American Endurance Cup, Co-Champions, blah, 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 blah. You never know where the sentence ends. It's like you're running downhill and you don't know when to stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you know I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like an abrupt period. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I should have stopped there. But um, that went good. We had a few... Uh, Lighthearted moments. I got Westy Gray. I got a real zinger on him, which was pretty funny. That yeah. that brought the house. You're down. not gonna leave it at that, huh? You're not gonna leave it at that. <laughs> you are not. Out with it, yeah. So um, Westy's been known for some of his accessories being a little bit dubious. So uh, he showed up at Daytona. I think it was last year with his man bag, and I gave him real <laughs> rashness shit about it. <laughs> so I think I've got to get him. I've got to get him. So Christina had been up to get her award. So we're going through the, I think we did the team first, and then we did third place, and uh, yeah. Garcia wasn't there, but Yan came up. And so Westy's about to come up with Ryan, so you're up at the podium, you've got like, the headset on, so it's like, oh, we've right. got a problem. Right. So everyone like stops talking, yeah, problem backstage, okay, okay. Uh, understand. Thank you. Uh, we have a problem, folks. Uh, Christina has walked off with Richard Westbrook's man bag. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and let's bring up our second place finishers, Ryan Briscoe and <laughs> Westy. Fian <laughs> loved it. That works. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, uh, it's interesting. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, good to see you. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for Thank you for being out here. So last year we, we kind of started this a uh, little bit earlier in the year, but the timing Barsha's episode was the morning was the after. Day, yeah, the morning after. His, yeah, his yeah, it was hosted, like 11 a.m. Uh, breakfast, lunch or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, And so, you know, following day for you as well. So how hungover are you? I'm pretty uh, – <laughs> I called it a day at two, and the boys were going hard. We'd, yeah. We had like a little after-party thing outside the, uh, the banquet. Yeah, 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 but on the outside patio, it was really cool because it was a nice night. And um, they started shutting that down probably about 12.30. So when we went to the upstairs bar – we were there till two, and then everyone was disappearing downstairs to somewhere else. And Heather, my wife, just said, "I got to go to bed." And I said, "I really need to go to bed too." So <laughs> this this happened at some point. I'm not sure. <laughs> that's a good look. That's actually really uh, good for us because. Yeah. So that's Joey Hand and you. We can post that on the. Yeah, but yeah. he's our next guest. He's right? our next guest. Yeah, he will be yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah. 
let's go ahead and we'll, we'll jump around okay, a little bit. Okay, yeah. So, so, so that photo is with you and Joey Hand. Um, and uh, this we normally do this more towards the end of the interview, but since we're talking about Joey, um, we have a segment, a pass-along segment, where uh, the guest from the previous episodes asks a question for the next guest. So if you could ask any question in the world to Joey Hand, what would it be? Wiener schnitzel or Mexican? Ooh, that's okay. good. I can write that All right. down. That's quick to the point. We spent a bit of time in Europe with him. He got addicted to Wiener Schnitzel, but he loves Mexican. So Interesting. curious to see where his head okay. is at these days. To kind of go the other direction, we had dinner with my dad last night. His question for you was uh, a pretty obvious question. I think you probably get it a lot. But what caused or what led you to the decision to stop racing? I should say as a driver. I think to the question, why did I decide to stop? I really didn't. I mean, it just kind of materialized. It was one of those deals where... Uh, the career had slowed down anyway, and I was just doing the endurance races, Daytona Sebring, Toronto Check, and tr try and scrape through the year as best yeah. I could with that. Right. And um, consequently started to do ride and drive programs, and before you know it, you've kind of got off track because you're, you're trying to pay your bills, yeah. and um, you're not at a racetrack every <coughs> week, and before you know it, you're doing more and more ride and drives yeah. and staying further and further away from a racetrack. And uh, so it wasn't a conscious decision, like, I'm going to stop racing. 95 was the last r race I did right. Right. for Paul Genelosi, actually, with the Oldsmobile deal okay. at, at Sebring. And, um, you know, so I was 34 years old, so it wasn't like I was too old to keep going, but yeah. just the opportunity wasn't there. But it's been great. The industry's been called to me. I mean, I've been so lucky to uh, have stayed in the game that I really have a lot of passion for in different ways. Uh, this year's like 20 years with Speed Vision slash Speed Fox oh, Sports. Um, so that's really cool and uh, just love what I do. I mean, very lucky to work with some great people. Right. And, um, you know, the team chemistry aspect, just like in racing, yeah. is so important. That's the same with what we do because you've got to dig deep and you've got to cover each other and cover your back. And, right. um, you know, it's, um, it's been really fun. I kind of want to go back to the ride and drive thing real quick because every time I, I, ask, or I mention this in front of a fan, they don't know what a ride and drive is. Ah, because it's okay. not yeah. publicized, obviously. Right. But basically, a ride and drive is when a new product, generally a vehicle, but also sometimes other tires and, and things like that, get launched. They'll hire a bunch of pro drivers to go kind of run the exercises and keep people safe and educate them. Right. And so a lot of drivers, when they don't have rides, will end up doing ride and drives for right. all sorts of different manufacturers. And there's, yeah, and there's basically like a couple of companies that yeah. are out there. Yeah, exactly. Um, that, like, they're just the guys that you call, and they've got kind of their team of drivers that you know, they say, hey, Sean Jones, we need your guys. And then all of a sudden, yeah, they show up. And, and this week it's Continental. Next week it's Honda. Or whatever. Yeah, Lally used to talk about him because when he was doing them, he was probably maybe around this. What, what, when were you doing those things back in? Early 90s. When it, the, I worked for a company called Proformance who were at Phoenix, and they got the Infinity deal when yeah. Infinity launched their franchise. Sure. So it was literally every six weeks they brought in like two or 300 people to learn about the product. Right. So it was like, I think it was, we'd go out there for four days at a crack, and they'd bring in probably three waves of people. I think it was like a day and a half yeah. each, and it kind of overlapped. But, um, I mean, if you had a race with the guys that we had doing ride and drive <laughs> back there, you had John Paul Jr., <laughs> right, I mean, right. Tommy Byrne. I mean, it, it was fun. Yeah. Paul Darlenbeck, some really good guys. and um, But it was back when we were all a bit younger. So, so we used to stay at this uh, Hilton Garden Inn out near Firebird whether we used to do the events so um, every night you know you'd start the weekend we get off slowly and like maybe a midnight touch you know and by <laughs> you had to outdo the night before it'd be yeah, a better yeah. story the next day you know right, so right. uh 
first night we're there and uh tommy burn and i are always been really strong mates and uh so we came back and I was riding around on the luggage trolley bit of fun hey what time in the morning yeah see you in the morning yeah. hadn't had a big night at all um 2 30 in the morning i wake up naked in the elevator <laughs> <laughs> And the only reason I wake up is because uh, three people are getting on the elevator. Yeah. Two birds in this guy, and they're just looking at me, and I just turn and stand in the corner like, what the hell is <laughs> going on? <laughs> so I, I wake up, and I'm thinking, so I hit three, I think it was, got off, and then I'm thinking, oh, what do I do now? I am like butt naked. I don't have a stitch on. <laughs> so I'm like, so I, there's like three people I knew their rooms. Well, back then, you did not open your door. Right. At that time of night, because yeah, you were right. going to get, like, shaven foam or dragged out. <laughs> right. You know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, so it's like, but you try to knock on someone's door, but not wake the rest of the floor up, right? So Because um, <laughs> you're naked. So when I'm like, in the end, I guess it gets so pissed. So I go down and think, I'll just run out to the pool and grab a towel. So back down in the elevator, and it's like, you know, across the corner there. Go out there. There's a bunch of people out there at 2.30 in the morning having a chat. So yeah. now I'm like. I just marched to the front desk. As I marched to the front desk, there's these two old ladies just sitting there, like, walk, watching me go by. And there's this young boy who used to work, or a uh, young man who used to work at the uh, front desk. I don't, can't remember his name, but he just looks at me. I say, don't say a word. Just give me a room. I didn't even ask for a towel. Walk straight back <laughs> past the two, the two old ladies. And uh, so, yeah, so I was... Uh, Naked gun, one and a half, and, uh, sushi <laughs> in the roar, and all the Otis. I think was my uh, elevator was the uh, the nickname for a few years there. <laughs> and I've never slept walk since, right. and I hadn't before, right. so I don't know what was going. And we hadn't been out yeah. having a crazy, crazy time. Right. It was like first night of the week, but uh, then it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No thinking about it now, I just get like in a cold sweat. Yeah, like think. never again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So in the in the current crop, then who can go the hardest within the broadcast group? Oh, who I work with currently, or or just over the over the years? Well, so. Stiffy's hard to 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 run with. Lee Diffy, he's, okay. a, he's a Stiffy. Yeah, so I don't. Is that? A, I don't know if that's public. That his name. I've heard him call that. I just yeah. no, I've heard it yeah, before yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But anyway, he's fun. He he is. He's my best mate. And uh, but yeah, JB's called to go out for a for a beer with Justin and. Um, Brian and I used to hit it hard, but we kind of have to tone it down. Yeah, a bit your now. family men. Yeah, there, right? we, yeah <laughs> we get hurt, but uh, and we got a good group. They're they're all all fun guys. Yeah. One of the names you mentioned earlier, Tommy Byrne, his uh, book is Crashed and Burned, mm -hmm. and uh, he's famous for getting to test the McLaren F1 car, and then famously said, "This thing's a pile of <laughs> to Ron Dennis, who was like, uh, "Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was, uh, talk it's, there's much job. more to the story. I'm not giving it away because I hope one day we have him on here and, sure. and he could tell that story, but." I, I actually the first Ryan driver worked he was on it uh, for BMW program at Stone Mountain Georgia and uh, he was working his ass off I mean he was like nonstop moving and shaking and like getting stuff done and then uh, he, he's he's probably your age yeah, yeah. he's year two older. he then, might be fifty eight now yeah yeah and he was the hardest working guy there and he was also the first one I was like all right. Where are we drinking? You right. know, where's the party? <laughs> I was like, this guy's got it down. Like, well, I don't think a lot good. of people know. Like in a drive and drive, it's not just you're just driving somebody around the passenger seat. You're putting out cones uh, and setting yeah. in hay bales. I've been to them where you literally stood there all day just holding a sign. Yeah. You, you know, it's like right this yeah. way. It yeah. becomes a syndrome because when you're trying to earn a, a crust, it's like more is better, right? X times X. So you yeah, keep right. taking them and taking them. Yeah. But just that's really when you ask the first question is like, right. Because every day your you're career go? You, yeah. You're just away from the racetrack yeah, and right. you're not doing what you need to be doing. Yeah. And you're starting to rely on that income, yep. which is the dangerous part of it, I assume. Absolutely, yeah. 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 But, I mean, it, it worked <clears> and um, 
you know, there are other ways for me to, to get back in. I, you know, with the TV stuff has been a blessing, really. Right. I did a little bit of it uh, early 90s. Vicky O'Connor, who um, used to operate the Pro Atlantic Championship. Right. I actually drove for her and her husband, Bill. Uh, they were kind enough to um, put me in an Atlantic car when we won the championship back in uh, 87. And uh, when I stopped doing Atlantics, um, she said, do you want to come and do some guest, you know, play-by-play -play sure. type stuff? And um, so I did a few, and Jim McCallion was uh, doing the production back then. Guy runs Long Beach Grand Prix. Yeah. Um, he and Chris Pook had a production company, so we used to do the Atlantics and a few Pro Sports 2000 races, but never looked at it as a career. It was just another right. way to yeah, earn a grand. And, you yeah. know. Well, at least you're at the track yeah. doing that stuff. Sure. And then, uh, fortunately, um, what is that on the wall? That's a cockroach. That is a cockroach. <laughs> that is a cockroach. That is a giant cockroach. You're going to document said cockroach? Over, uh, yeah. <laughs> Go for it, Ryan. <laughs> you bring one yourself every time. It's good for a free meal. That's right. right. <laughs> you just let it out of the table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so kind of going down that road of, uh, of get starting the TV stuff out. Uh, one of the questions I've always wondered about you, because you do a good job at it, so does Dorsey and, you know, some of the other guys that used to race. Did you do any sort of, you know, after you kind of – because you, you just kind of started it cold, right? They were like, hey, you want to do some TV stuff? You like, really okay. do sink or swim. Yeah. You kind of yeah. so there was put no, you out there. No school, no – Right. Yeah. No. Have you on, a, on your own gone since then and tried to further yourself as a broadcaster or commentator? Have you taken classes or read anything? No, but it, it's, it's a really valid question, and I think probably we should. Okay. Do you know right. what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you, you watch, you know, replays of the shows and stuff, and you're very – critical of oneself just like doing a banquet last night it's right. like oh it's right. great it's like well you didn't notice that well no but yeah. you know it's like right. calling a race no one knows what intended to come out of your mouth <laughs> yeah other yeah. than you yeah. so if right. it didn't come out it's like they're not reading the script and right but i think it's also the good side about drivers that if you're competitive by nature so therefore you you don't want to just call it in that day absolutely yeah, yeah absolutely. varsha referred to you as a perfectionist uh when we did the show with him because he was saying that you would make sure you got all your lines right and everything for the for the banquets and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Make sure you didn't mess it up. Well, I think you hate to fail. Do you know? What I mean, you hate to let people down. I mean, uh, when you're doing TV, you're representing the series, sure. the network, and everything else. So um, you need to do your homework. I mean, I think one of the difficulties this year for us with the IMSA Championship uh, since Daytona, we've not been on site calling the right. races. Yeah. And, and um, just put some perspective on that. I don't know, in case people don't know, uh, listening to this, um, the vast majority, actually, basically everything but Daytona was done in Charlotte. That's right. Um, at the studio. So you're literally just watching a TV feed, effectively no different than what they're seeing at home with maybe a few extra monitors. Um, and you're just going off the information that you're given. You have no way of talking to anybody, smelling it, all that sort of thing. Once the race starts, yeah. it's actually okay. So we've got a nice setup there. Yeah, Sometimes okay. it's actually better than we might have had at the track. Sure. The difficulty is the networking through the weekend, right. and yeah. the, the information. It's all the backstories yeah. you don't know. We obviously get on the phone and we text, and if we need yeah. some questions, we've got the pit guys are there. So it's not like you're totally sure. in left field, sure. but um, <clears throat> it does make a big difference. And uh, with the race weekends, the way they're set up, uh, with the Conti race the day before, if you back time the weekend, it's like, well, you could go in and then go to the studio, but um, you have to be there. So if it's a Saturday, IMSA race, Friday, Conti, you've got to be in Charlotte by Thursday night. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of times the IMSA guys aren't even rolling in there till Thursday lunchtime. Sure. Do you right. know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I'd be there on a Tuesday, but yeah. Yeah. no one to talk to, right. so it doesn't work. So thinking about a guy like, say, Parker Kligerman, mm -hmm. um, who, you know, he's, I would say, a very similar situation now that you were in, in, in 
at that age where, you know, he was still in a very, he, you know, when Parker started doing more broadcast stuff, uh, he was in a really, really good career position. Or he's still, yeah, he's, he's still young enough that he can still do it. He's still very talented. He yeah. can still bring results. He's just not getting the opportunities that he wanted. Um, I assume there's a certain level of humility that he goes through to start doing his first couple TV gigs because it's effectively saying I'm not driving right now. Um, was there any of that for you when you first started doing the broadcast side? No, I was cool with it. I mean, I think because when I started doing it for Speed Vision, um, I, I, you know, I'd been I hadn't raced full time for half a dozen years. Yeah. Okay. And I'd just been doing the endurance races. So I realized this was my opportunity. I mean, how I got introduced to Speed Vision was I was actually coaching up at Most Sport with Don Bagoon, um, who owned Performance Friction and fortunately yeah. uh, tragically passed away last year in a road accident. And uh, we were coaching up there and uh, Derek Daly was up. I think they were doing a Trans Am race or something. And they were also going to cover the Formula 4 2000 race. So he right. walks up to you and says, man, I've got this race this afternoon. Don't know any of the players in there. So this uh, guy was with him, Jeff Hallis, who was uh, the producer. And um, some just went through the grid sheet with him and gave him a little snip on all the guys in the race. And Jeff's standing there and he said, um, you know, have you, have you done any television? I said, yeah, I did a little bit a long time ago. And he said, do you want to do some more? I said, sure. Were you lying? Huh? Were you lying? Lying about... Like, say, like uh, I've done some TV before. Yeah. <laughs> Knowing that if you said no, you're clearly not going to get on the air. No, I mean, yeah. um, I didn't know where it was going to go. Right. But um, he gave me... He said, well, well, we've got a race at the Glen in a couple of weeks. If you can come and help us out. So I did that. And he said, oh, it went well. And gave me six more races. And nice. so I was into it. You know what right. I mean? I, I, I wasn't like... I wasn't hedging my bets. I mean, I, I realized that it was going to be really tough for me to get back in a race car. Right. And still, like I mentioned, it's still relative mid-30s. It's like right. you're giving up on your, your love very early. But um, you've also been through the cycle a couple of times. I went through the cycle in Europe and then came here and went through yeah. the cycle again where you almost get there and you just... Right. fall down the other side and uh, right. picking up the pieces so i was ready to put 100 percent of the effort that i put into racing into another part of the of the of the sport and um so i really tried to grab it with both hands and, and really run with it yeah i was reading an article on you recently where someone asked you about Senna, which we'll get into at, at, at some point but the name that popped up that was close to my heart i was like whoa ed devlin yeah, because when Ben Devlin yeah. came over in 2001, I was a mechanic at Archangel, and he worked with us, you know, for for two or three years, and mm -hmm. became friends from that. Um, and I knew his dad owned the bar, Ed's Cafe or whatever, um, near Snetterton in yeah. England. But I didn't realize that he owned it for that long, and that mm -hmm. you had been there, and Senna had been oh, there, yeah, yeah. and everything. So that to me seems like it would have been a really cool time to be kind of around that stuff. And it doesn't surprise me that Ben ended up becoming, you know, pretty yeah, prolific driver exactly. himself. Yeah. Yes kind of brought up around that environment but yeah we should chat about that it's, it's, it's a good memory actually i mean uh it was a real hotbed mm -hmm. i mean in terms of motorsport norfolk right. and um snedderton circuit especially we had a we had a workshop over well, first year i did full season of cars around with russian green which was kind of the semi works well, and so to sort of set this up i mean a lot of people don't uh, i think most people who hear you on the broadcast figure out that you were obviously a driver at one point i don't think people really know you know who you competed with in the era that that you really kind of made your name, and so that's that's that is a good point. I've mentioned point. it before to certain people in passing, and they're like, "Oh, I didn't know he had raced that yeah. that much." Yeah, right. so, you know. So obviously, you're you, you started in carts, starting carts, um, 1974. Got a Christmas present, like a little small horsepower go kart, just to go out to an airfield and bash around, and right. really didn't take it serious. Just fun, just something to do, and uh, then we. Uh, 
Now, up until that point, what kind of kid were you? Were you like a little shit? Were you were you a pretty good kid? Was this a way to <laughs> make good. you? Pretty good. I loved behave? soccer. Soccer was my big thing. So okay. I used to live and breathe soccer as soon as you put the shoes Did on. Did they the mind that you called it soccer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't call it soccer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, it's weird. I didn't know who to uh, root for in the Ryder Cup now. I've been here so long, you know. Right. It's, <laughs> right. it's very bizarre. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, so we, we just uh, transitioned that over to so we could go do some racing with it, just at local events, and then we started to go down to London to the bigger events where there's a lot more competition. Sure. And uh, pretty quickly, I actually moved up to um, shifter carts, 250cc yeah. super carts, which were really cool. In the 70s? I didn't know that was around. Yeah, it would have been 77 or 78 yeah, when I first started racing shifter carts. My dad had moved down. My mum and dad split up. My dad had moved down to the um, south of England uh, near Devon. And there was a, a great guy down there called Malcolm Turner. He owned a butcher shop, Turner's Butchers, and he used to race shifter carts. Yeah. So my dad had met him somehow, and he said, oh, I'll get the boy out of the 100cc, let's go and do some shifter <laughs> cart racing. I'll tune the motors and this, that, and the other. So we went and did that, and uh, really enjoyed it. it. It was good for me, and then uh, uh, Martin Hines asked me to, to race for him with the Hermitite Zip team, which was like the big team at the time, right, so yeah, that was wow. pretty cool. Supercars back then was big. I mean, yeah, I think yeah. at the Silverstone Grand Prix, 79 or 80, I think we had 200 supercarts. Wow. There was like so an E&F final. Yeah, yeah, were yeah, were yeah. supercarts at that time running the full tracks, or were they yeah. running cart tracks? Oh, full so you tracks. Were running yeah, yeah, we went Silverstone it. Grand Prix circuit. Wow. That's super cool. Holy yeah. crap. I, didn't <laughs> know that. I really didn't know that was a thing in the 80s. It was really cool yeah. because uh, it was back in the days when the Formula One cars had the ceramic skirts. Mm -hmm. And so Woodcut Chicane... We used to use the bike track that went straight around the outside, whereas the cars yeah, used yeah. to go in and out. But with the ceramic skirts, they used to like put real hard grooves in the on the line. Yeah. So as you came in, it would go it was flat in six, and you'd come through there, and just the cart would just do this. <laughs> and the problem was that it's pulling the tire off the uh, the yeah, bead right. off off the rim. Yeah. So you you put these little studs in, but um, it was really hairy because the catch fencing was set up. Yeah for cars and with the with the yeah. carts if you went in the catch fencing you'd literally I'd ride up the the nose cone and then up the steering column and yeah right into so it right. was really wild and, and they were bloody quick I mean, yeah, we, yeah. We, I mean that was but the first years were air cooled so they weren't as quick as when we switched to water cooled but um, we were probably 145 down the straightaways I mean I think our average lap at Silverstone was close to 115 miles an hour for the lap <laughs> yeah it, w it was good it was good fun helmets back then were probably pretty good too right yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's fast yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> but um that's no, good times. Yeah. Well also it sounds like you didn't you didn't have funding just at your disposal to go play with stuff, so you're getting kind of a favor of a ride and then Yeah, you're, you're I mean my dad was working you. hard. He had a he was a partner in a car, a used car dealership. Yeah, so right. he had some a little bit of money to spend but we just couldn't. Yeah, it's not like it was gonna carry you up to, yeah. to Formula One or right. I mean yeah. you could come up mean you know, few grand a year but that was about it right sure. going to go much further so right. we, we needed support but um got a deal there was a chassis out of denmark called dino and there's a, a card importer in the uk who said oh well, if you come and drive our car we'll give you some money to go car racing so that was how i broke into car racing by right. switching from zip over to the dino chassis right. as a so sort of a trade out yeah yeah, yeah we did some carts and okay. uh, and did the car racing at the same time that's yeah. how we got into and we we just did like three races in formula ford and uh, found that difficult to like transit. It kind of felt really sloppy. Yeah, you know, radial tires, and then I tested yeah. a Formula Ford 2000. It's like 
this is more like what I've been doing. So probably slower than your go kart. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> at Snedderton, it's funny. We, uh, Sam, being based at Snedderton, I mean, the track literally would be open every day of the week for testing, but it was like really no rules. Right. I tested my supercar on the same day as Roberto Guerrero in a Formula One car. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember coming down, there's a cor- really fast corner called Russell right before the pits. And he, I didn't, you've got no mirrors on a car. Yeah, you know what I mean? So I'd had a look on the straightaway and seen him and, and come down at a Russell. And he comes by me on the inside. And so you're sitting down here, like your head's like here. Yeah. That Formula One rear tire is like <laughs> right. right there. And he zipped in front of me. I was like, scared the crap out of me. We were there one night and uh, we were out there testing and uh, Lotus were there with and Mario Andretti mm-hmm. oh, nice. and uh, Peter War. Yeah. And Mario came over and was like the coolest guy. Yeah. He was yeah. just, he was totally into what I know everything about the car. Yeah. Walked around super friendly, super cool. And you were cool. how old this time? Uh, I would have been 18. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, and he was giving Peter War shit like, why are we spending this much money? I'm only like three seconds quicker than this guy. <laughs> You point something out that, that um, from everything I, I, you know, at that area, you don't want to know how old I was, or he wasn't even born, but but it seemed to me from what I read it that in that era, you know, your junior divisions, your F2000, your Formula Fords, your F3, they had such a thing as factory drivers because they had multiple marks that were in the series. So there was, you know, Ralt competing against, I don't know, Delara or whoever yep. else, yeah, yeah. Van Diemen. Um, so... I don't want to say there was more opportunity, but it seemed like there were ways that if you were fast and proved yourself to the the chassis manufacturer, they would let a young guy get free gear or they'd pay him or whatever. Absolutely, it was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, that's really how Senna arrived on the scene. I mean, right. Chico Serra, another mm-hmm. Brazilian who was kind of Ayrton's uh, mentor back yeah. then, right. had been promising Ralph Furman, "I'll bring the fast man. I'll bring the fast man one day." Yeah. And Ralph always had a a steady stream of really fast South Americans coming through the door who would right. win his championships and fill up the order book for the next year. And right, it's kind right. of a cycle, you know. And uh, suddenly Ayrton showed up and he had done such amazing things in carts, obviously. So he, he already had a bit of a mantle before he even uh, walked through the door. Sure, right. right. And had a bit, I think they had him in an old car or something at the start of the year. So it was kind of a slow start, but then he just went on a tear and won the championships and everything. Right. And then uh, at the end of the year, talking about Tommy Byrne, Ayrton said he's out of here, was like going to retire back to Brazil. Okay. Yeah, you know, sure. one year of yeah. car racing. And uh, <laughs> Ralph was like in trouble because he had to have someone in his car for the for the festival. Yeah. Uh-huh. So he calls up Tommy, he said, can you win it? And Tommy said, sure. <laughs> no problem. <Yeah. laughs> so he goes out and, you know, he's been driving Formula 3 cars and he, uh, Formula 4 2000 cars and gets back in this. And he said, whoa, this is, this is a struggle. And he, he did win, but there was a... An older guy, Rick Morris, who was like a stalwart in uh, Formula Fords, was on Tommy's ass for the <laughs> whole 20-lap final, and Tommy just brought it home. Yeah. But uh, he was under a lot of pressure. But getting to your point, yes, if you were good, the factories needed the quick guy in the car because it was car sales. Right. You know what I mean? It, was, it, it wasn't was one man. It's not like today in specs, you know, everybody, it's one chassis in you know, formerly Formula Atlantic, we use as one chassis for the last few years. You know, if you want to go run Pro Mazda or F4, it's all one car. And yeah. so it's very, very different from that time. Yeah, yeah. So. But, um, yeah, Formula 3 that back then was kind of dominated by Ralt. Uh, you had a few, Magnum had a chassis, and there was a another car, I can't remember. Were those for the bigger guys? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I couldn't resist. Sorry. <laughs> 
David Leslie, God rest his soul, he uh, he put the car at the first race uh, of 83. He put the car on the pole. This thing was weren't as good through the turns or yeah. downforce-wise as the Rolt, but Senna was so pissed because he had been, like, killing everyone in pre-season yeah. testing. Goes out at Silverstone Club Circuit for the first one, and yeah. Leslie stuck this thing on the pole, and <laughs> apparently, like, Ayrton totally lost to a Dick Bennett's in the garage after qualifying right. to, you know... <laughs> expected to clean everyone up <laughs> so were you did you guys arrive on the scene you and senna did you guys arrive on the scene at basically the same time yeah i mean uh, let's think about it senna did um formula ford in 81 yeah so yeah within a year anyway but um but i i i leapfrog formula ford so in 81 right. was my first full season in formula ford 2000 yeah. okay and senna had arrived and did formula ford 1600 right the next year he came back and did formula ford 2000 for ralph with russian green Okay. Uh, and I was just like customer with them. They had okay. factory guy Tommy, and then I right. was like the the customer car. So you showed up with ba with no reputation, not quite the chip that I'm sure that he kind of showed no, up. No, with. Yeah. I mean, I mean the karting stuff was good, but certainly not at the level or an, you know, anticipation yeah. of when Ayrton was coming. Right. And uh, so we set up our own shop. Uh, Russian Green were based at Snetterton, and we literally built a workshop right next door. Uh, buddy of my my dad's uh, Mickey, real character. He used to have a, a foam. Quality foam products was his business in okay. Norwich, my hometown, and uh, he used to sell literally slabs of foam on a on a outdoor market and was very successful. Okay. And he used to race carts a little bit. And he said, "Come on, let's let's, let's do it." And uh, he stepped up and bought the car and stuff. Okay. And uh, so um, we started the year with a Royale because we didn't have quite enough money to um, to do it properly. And um, Alan Cornock, who owned Royale at the time, was kind enough to loan us a chassis, and with Mickey's money, we could kind of get the season going. Right, right. And so at the start, everyone, all the other Van Diemen's was winning every race, yeah. and I was finishing second. Right. And then the other Van Diemen's got their act together, so now you were finishing third, and you were finishing right, fourth. Right. Like, wow, this is the car was like way overweight and yeah, just right. weren't as good and um you know if you parked it on an angle at lunchtime and came back afterwards the chassis was different <laughs> <way>. yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um we realized we had to get a van diemen as soon as we switched to the van diemen we were right on the pace yeah. and um we went out and won the first race against Ayrton when we switched to the van diemen at alton park yeah. so that got his attention sure yeah. and uh, consequently it was a double double weekend we did uh, alton on the first on Saturday and Silverstone Club on su uh, Brands Hatch on Sunday, and uh, I, I had the pole. And going in a paddock, he just like came across and like took the left front wing off. Yes, he's like, okay, pal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that that was kind of my put you back like, in order here. Right. You know, he's so famous for sort of having to kind of hate his competitors. Did you guys have any relationship prior to you kind of being as competitive as he was? Well, it was it was it was funny in a way because we were literally next door neighbors, and right. back then you lived at the race shop, yeah, eight hours a day, even when you weren't driving. Right. I mean, you were at the shop, right? So your your paths crossed, and uh, we our paths crossed at lunch yeah. every day down at Ed's Cafe. Ben Devlin's dad yeah, yeah. Uh, had Ed's Cafe. It turned into a pub later, but in the early days it was a cafeteria. And it was before the days of everyone sort of like eating quinoa salads and stuff. <laughs> it's like, are you going to have egg sausage and uh, chips yeah, today exactly. or are you going to have egg ham and chips? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but it was fried. Yeah, Let's yeah, put it that way. Yeah, it's going to hurt. So you'd end up in the same places all of the time. Sure. So you're, you're yeah. always doing this, walking through a door. And uh, so you couldn't like, it wasn't that bad. Like we hated each other. But um, uh, a couple of little insights to what I feel is a weird insight to Ayrton. 
one day we actually did sit at the same lunch table. Yeah. So we're all sitting around and. And by this point, up. were you beating him or or were you? Well, just we'd sort had of the kid? we'd had the little. Then he kind of straightened that out. So, yeah. just to put it in perspective, I mean that year I finished um, in the top two 19 times, but only won four races. So you can guess who won the other. Yeah. The other 15. 15. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but. Um, yeah, so it was a good little rivalry, but um, so anyway, we're here at lunch one day, and the food shows up, and everyone sort of like grabs the salt shaker and this, that, and the other, and the ketchup or the HP sauce, and gives it a big squirt all over you, and starts to eat. And like I'm three minutes in, I'm like basically half done with my, and I realize that Aston's still putting his salt, pepper, and ketchup on his yeah. on his food. And I'm like, what the hell is he doing? And he's like, he's got the pepper shaker, and he's like putting a little bit of <laughs> pepper on the salmon just a little bit yeah and then he's got the ketchup and he's putting just enough ketchup on like literally each fry and then he's got the salt and he's doing this and i'm like and then when you think about it well you probably don't need salt on every single ingredient <laughs> that's <laughs> right. on the plate right, and you right. really don't want ketchup on everything <laughs> right. but everyone <laughs> else is just like yeah, cover yeah. it cover yeah, it right yeah, yeah, and yeah. uh and also after lunch everyone would get on this little you'd go to the to the till to the cash register and pay you pay your tab and uh there's the like this space invader type game there yeah. and so all of the boys all the mechanics and everyone would have a little go before we went back to the shop sure and uh Aiton would never play he'd watch but he'd never play so there'd be i don't know eight ten of us sort of crowded around huddled right. in the corner yeah, and right. playing this game and uh myself and one of the mechanics uh, could get to a certain point and we'd typically have the high score we'd get to this one point in this game and you got you've been bombing all this stuff and moving up and down and yeah. you'd come through this tunnel and then you had to like wait till like, you got through the tunnel and pull it down and then dive into this other tunnel and we'd always come down and just keep hitting the wall so yeah. every day we got to that point in the game and we could not figure out sure. so one day we're there and uh and some days you'd hit up here and some days you'd <laughs> down here and you, you couldn't figure out <laughs> right. what was right. it different you right. know what i mean you felt you were doing the same thing so one day Adam says I'll, I'll play and we're like you'll play you never play who's this guy sure yeah. yeah come on up so he gets through all the first stages pretty conservative he just like escapes and doesn't do anything fancy and his score's not high but then he gets to this level comes to the tunnel boom boom in yeah <laughs> <laughs> was this in his first try yeah as far as he did well, yeah. in his first try in front of us yeah yeah yeah, yeah it exactly. tells us he'd been down there every afternoon for two weeks <laughs> ah, there it is. and it uh, basically what you needed to do this right. thing had a forward and reverse on it yeah. so what you need to do is have him full forward yeah so when you got to the thing because it would keep moving like uh, this you just it reversed it up yeah yeah, yeah. obvious right <laughs> <laughs> none of us dummies thought of it he had it. he's watched this every day like yeah, <laughs> you know, and so, uh, but he had to come and show us, you know? right. Yeah. right? But he didn't mention that he'd been there every no, day. No, 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 no. It was, was like it was his first. Oh, well, I guess I'll we'll try. It says no. He's been ten. New high score? Did I break it? Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know what that means. Oh, that's fantastic. So uh, it's said that you're mentioned in every book about Ayrton that's been written about him. That you were one of the rivals that he could, you know, lose to on a, on a you know continuous basis. And uh, I'm curious: is that something that when you hear it? Uh, is that something that, that makes you kind of like, you know, yeah, I, I was able to give him a run for his money on, on a good day? Or is it something that makes you think, uh, if I had, had the right opportunities, I could have gone on to be a three-time world champion? Or do you, did you even care about it at all? Do I care about it? I mean, 
with life, I mean, it takes different turns, right? And as I said before, I'm, I feel so lucky to still be in the game. Yeah, you know, sure. and have a, have a lot of work here. So, would I wish that the racing had continued a bit longer? Yeah, I mean, w after the year in Formula Four 2000, uh, we that bit like the karting stuff. I had a good little battle that got me into cars, yeah. and then with the the good battles we had in Formula Four 2000. Uh, that got me the BP ride, which is a fully paid yeah. F3 deal. Brundle had it the year before, and uh, he'd actually started to win races at the end of the year, so it was kind of a big deal for them to let him go yeah, yeah. And, and, and put me Switch in the car. Completely, yeah, sure. But there were some engine changes, and uh, Ayrton did a deal with Dick Bennett, who was really the man in yeah. Formula 3. He yeah. was just like the guru. He was just so good, so technical, and just like would be there all night, just right. fine-tuning everything. Yeah. And... Um, so uh, I got in there, and we just had a poor year. I mean, we just weren't on the pace, really. I mean, the Toyotas were a bit quicker. He and Brundle. Brundle got a deal with Eddie Jordan. Mm -hmm. And uh, Ayrton won, I think, the first eight or nine races that year out of 20. Yeah. So he just checked out. checked out. But Brundle was doing what I did the year before, like nipping at his heels. I was back third, fourth, sure. wherever. and not, not in the game. I mean... <laughs> you, you weren't you weren't there i think we had nine podiums that year but you 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 were just the yeah. decorations do you right. know what i mean you you weren't a other guy a prime player yeah. yeah so um but brundle really had a tremendous year in the second half of the year um he really got underneath that and skin and got him rattled and nearly nearly nipped the championship yeah. Yeah. Uh, i mean it's kind of a classic formula three story there's actually a, a, a video out there it's just coming out recently right? yeah it yeah, came yeah, out yeah, last year yeah. when i was on vacation last year in italy um, this guy Mario Muth who put it together we sat down there and he did a really nice job with yeah. it so it's hard because you don't have the the video support that we have sure. now the races yeah, yeah, really yeah. weren't covered back then yeah. but he did a really nice job of getting with everyone and right. putting the story together it's actually pretty cool yeah I'd like to see that but um, yeah so that that was a deal killer because when I signed with uh, BP at the same time they announced that I was going to be the test driver for the Tolman F1 team oh Oh, nice. I was supposed to get all this time in a, in a test yeah. car. Well, as soon as the season started and Senna's kicking my ass, well, Alex Hawkridge, who owns the team, like, nah, kid, <laughs> he's on the phone right. And yeah. And yeah. I drove for him the next year. So sure. I, I didn't even get in the car. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, right. uh, but hey, uh, it, it's a fine line. I mean, right. I was realistic about it. We weren't getting the job done. Yeah. So I didn't deserve to, to get the shot, you know. But um, So you didn't think that it was BOP or. Something like that. <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> if you'd had P.O.P. then, we would be in a lot better shape because the Toyota was definitely out of the park. Yeah, yeah. we had Volkswagen engines, and uh, you know, you just every gear shift, it was just yeah, just a little bit, just a little bit. And at that game, you, you don't get it back. Yeah, you, know, you, you can't be giving up anything. Great, so right. it was. Uh, but yeah, I've always been pretty realistic about that stuff. I mean, could it have gone in a different direction? Yes, but it could have never happened. Right. It could have stopped a lot sooner. Sure. And uh, coming over here and having a second chance at it, right. same thing. Yeah, I won the Atlantic thing. Yeah, I won a few Indy Lights races and just just right there and didn't happen again. But now I've been in TV for 20 years and love the sport and, uh, you know, it's it's awesome. So Where did the U.S. decision come from? When I was racing supercars, there was an American, Kim Campbell, who came over and raced at the Silverstone Grand Prix, the British Car Grand Prix, and we'd become pretty good friends and um, stayed friends, uh, particularly my dad and he. And uh, Kim said, you know, if you don't have anything, come to the States. He said, I'll give Calvin a job and uh, come over and, uh, you know, see if we can, you know, find him a deal, get right. him in with the team. So the next week, it's on the plane. And uh, Kim had a race shop based out of Dallas, Texas, or Arlington, Texas, actually, near the, near the uh, stadium out there. 
and uh, there's one other English guy as a mechanic, and he had like he had his own program, which was uh, he was going to compete in the two liter Can-Am Championship. Okay. And um, they also ran about six or seven C Sports races and Sports 2000s and all this other stuff. And they had one guy as a mechanic. Yeah. So I'm now the second guy. Yeah, you're right. Too, yeah. So my thought of like tootling off to racetracks and meeting everyone is like, well, I'm either in or out. He yeah. was paying me a couple hundred bucks a week to. Yeah, work to on the, the cars right, yeah, and yeah. I couldn't just say well, I'm going to get on the phone for three hours because we had to get this car ready yeah, to load yeah, in the yeah, trailer yeah, so you yeah. got buried but it was actually after the year I'd had it was really good for me to just get that hunger back yeah. I mean, at that yeah. time you talk about it wasn't easy to, to give up but it was really hard back then to give it up of I course, mean I yeah. wanted to be I was you know 23 years old and I wanted to drive more than anything yeah, in the world right. and uh, having a year as a mechanic and realizing what that's all about yeah and uh, not getting in a race car, that made me really hungry to, yeah, to get back sure. in a car. And uh, later that year, I met Mike Gouet mm -hmm. and Phil Creighton yeah. here in Atlanta, yeah. Essex Racing. Yeah. And uh, through Ralph, uh, did Formula Ford 1600. So I never did it <laughs> back there, <laughs> right, right. but I did it yeah, here. It and we ran in the Southeast Division in the Van Diemen. So for 80, 85, I was, I was back in a car and uh, off we went again. Right. So that, so... Did you move to Atlanta at that point? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I was, in, I was in Dallas, and I moved to Atlanta. And you've been lived, here ever since, right? Lived up near Norcross, yeah. 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 That's fine. Yeah, never went back. There, there's one piece in there that I, I kind of want to explore a little bit, which is for anybody listening, uh, especially younger guys who are aspiring drivers, and, and, you know, we always, you know, Andy talks about not getting bitter and whatnot. There's, for somebody to say, hey, we'll give your kid a job if he comes out here and works at our shop out here in the U.S. and all that, they wouldn't just do that for anybody. So there had to be something about you that made you likable. Um, well, I think um, I think racing's all about relationships and right. networking. And somehow your mic moved a little. Sorry, man. that's awesome. Yeah. I think racing's all about relationships, and um, you know you need people on your side. I right. mean, um, I tell a lot of young drivers. I mean, you're not always going to be the kid that everyone wants. Right. And you need people pulling for you when you're going through the the dips in the road, you right. know. And, uh, and so I was just lucky that you know Kim believed and he saw that what we were doing in the carts, and he thought I was a good driver, and right. thought that the F3 season just went sideways on us, and right. there might be another opportunity. Right. And uh, no, so it's very kind of him to give me the opportunity, and uh, he was first class, and uh, yeah, so we were off and running again, yeah, which was pretty cool. And then with the Sports 2000 stuff, Vicky O'Connor also ran that championship yeah. as well as the Atlantic stuff. And at the end of the Sports 2000 year, didn't really have anywhere to go. I mean, Mike were doing their thing. They were the importer for those two brands. Yeah. And there really wasn't anywhere to progress with, with Mike and Phil. And um, Bill and Vicky had done a deal with uh, Mike Angus. He might have won the championship the year before to run an Atlantic program. And somehow it went sideways sure. after the first race. So for the second race, uh, was Montreal, the Grand Prix oh, support race. Big deal. And they called me up and said, hey, do you want to come and drive the car? So we went up there and finished second. And uh, Scott Goodyear, Scott won, Scott won the first race. He won the championship. We, we got close to him at the end. But uh, I'm not sure if Scott won at Montreal or not. But we finished second. I think Scott won, yeah. I think Ted Prappas was third and I was second. Um, so we got in that and went well. And then... Actually, the guys at Road Atlanta, the Leon brothers, yeah. helped me out. Yeah. Gave me a few bucks to uh, to uh, give to Bill. To I uh, just try to pull five hundred sure. here, a grand yeah, here, yeah. and uh, yeah. you know the budgets were pretty realistic. And uh, Dennis Eade, who's a great guy, who ran the team comp prep there out of Chicago, 
um, he could make it happen on a shoestring and uh, the car was there and Bill had committed to the car for the year so we just little bits and yeah. kept it going and won four races and I went right down to the last race of the championship so uh, it was fun because yeah. we missed around and nearly won it so yeah, that was cool right that was cool and uh, and then Vicky got a new sponsor for the series the next year HFC Household Finance Corporation and they wanted to do a car as well so that was a natural she nice. was at the series yeah. and so that and then they transitioned we won the championship that year and they wanted to move up with me and went to Indy Lights and uh, you know paid the tab for that so that's 87, 88 would be Indy Lights? Yeah. And, and then at the end of that, what happens? Similar deal. Yeah. Um, we won a couple of races that year. Uh, ran with Shearson Racing, who had the yeah. Domino's Pizza yeah. program yeah. at the time. Sorry. And uh, they actually branded it through Doug's daughter, Molly. So it's Molly Shearson Racing. Okay. Um, but Doug had um, done a good job in terms of... I got introduced to him, and then he went to HFC and basically sold the deal it was all singing and dancing sure. massive rig just beautiful yeah. And yeah first class like at an indie car level really um but we were quick i mean tommy was doing it that year fangio was doing yeah. it Beekus yeah. actually won the championship yeah because he finished all the races we had i think we had five mechanical dnfs at two oh, of the wow. races two of which we were leading yeah. because we'd never done the championship before we were running a different battery and a different clutch without getting into the minutiae of it all, but because the team had not run these cars before, right. and this stuff had been thrown away, like a Mark Wider had thrown it away sure. like two years ago. He said, no, that, that's never going to work. That's never going to have a talk. That battery will fail on you now and again. And so we paid the price for that. Otherwise, I think we could have won, legitimately won the championship. And then won the Atlantics, won the Indy Lights, then yeah. theoretically. Yeah, the it would have been the obvious. Yeah. Yeah. could have been, yeah. but it didn't happen, and uh, no money, and that's when it started to... Uh, Peter off again, did a few Atlantic races, like two or three in 89. Actually drove for Celine in uh, race trucks and uh, oh, yeah. Escort awesome. Endurance Championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, those trucks are pretty cool. So then uh, that does that lead to the Roush stuff? Yeah, I drove for, um, yeah, 1990. Uh, I did Daytona and Sebring. Yeah. And what happened was um, I went to the gong show. They used to have the gong show at the end of the year. Can you explain what that is? Because they don't do it anymore, and a lot no. of people wouldn't know what the Roush Gong Show is all about. Yeah, it'd basically bring in like 10 guys, yeah. and uh, you'd all go, it was at Sebring, I'm not sure if they always had it at Sebring's on the Sebring short course, and um, you'd go in there, and I, I'm not sure, I mean, we got a couple of runs each, maybe two, eight, ten lap runs, yeah. and um, I think it was there, Jack Baldwin was there, yeah. Stu Hayner. A um, couple of Atlantic guys, Jocko Cunningham, Buell, Robbie might have been there, myself, Robbie Gordon, yeah. Max Jones. But Max had just come off a Beretta year with Tommy Kendall, sure. so he had been driving these things all yeah, the time. Yeah. Right. Stu and Jack had a lot of that. I'd never driven one before, right. never been a Sebring before. So we did the test, and it went pretty well. Uh, Max was like seven, eight tenths quicker, and I'm like, well... Let's do a second day, and <laughs> maybe it'll be a bit different. I mean, you're just like adjusting and yeah, learning, right, track right, and learning which way goes. Yeah. Big yeah. heavy car from a, you know, a single seater. So, um, but anyway, so the guy at the time who was in charge was a guy called Lee Morris, and he called me up and he said, "Car went really well. I think we're going to have you come to Detroit next week and do a deal and meet the sponsors." So I'm like, "This is huge." Yeah, yeah, I mean, no they had yeah. they had. Uh, an IMSA program and they had a Trans Am program he said I don't know where it's going to be whether you're going to be on the yeah. IMSA side of this and I'm, I'm just sitting there and, Whatever. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. W we'll call you next week and these are the Mercury Cougars right? yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Whistler and Whistler sponsorship 
Yeah, exactly. Pretty uh, historic car. And uh, so Monday comes, no call. Tuesday comes, no call. Mm. Wednesday, I call him. Um, we're in a bit of a change of direction. Um, Robbie, Robbie was doing the desert truck stuff. Robbie yeah. Gordon. Yeah, Michael Cranifus, who was Lee's boss yeah. uh, for at the top. Uh, Robbie just got on the phone and all weekend just been beaten. And just, just, up and just saying, I want to drive this car. I want yeah. to I'll do whatever. I'll do the desert truck stuff, and I can do it. And, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, as you yeah. can imagine, Robbie would. Yeah, and he'd gone well, yeah. but he was a bit all over the map. Okay. But he was fast. Yeah. And anyway, so it came down. They said, Well, we, you know, Michael wants Robbie to get the deal, and we'll give you the endurance seat. Right. So wow. it's like that. That could have been. Yeah. You, know, you could have had a career like a Dorsey because yeah. Dorsey was there actually as uh, <laughs> like the benchmark. Yeah. Right. He was running out. He was the guy. He was well, the guy. He was the Whistler Mustang guy. Yeah. Like yeah, and yeah, Max yeah. then drove alongside Dorsey the following yeah. year. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, so it was that close, and he, yeah, that 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 could have been a game changer. Yeah. That could have been another 10, 15 years in the game, but right. it didn't happen. So we, uh, so Lee White was the team manager at the time at, at Rush. And he says, okay, we're going to put you in for Daytona and Sebring, and you're going to be, uh, we'll pay you this, and we'll give you this much money, and you're driving with Robbie. And I'm like, well, forget the prize money, because we ain't going to be finishing. <laughs> <laughs> and we go out and win both races. Nice. <laughs> I mean, because he was, a problem. he was just a wild man, yeah. but just raw speed, like yeah. you can't believe, right, just yeah. raw ability. And uh, he kept his nose clean, and um, it was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. so, so we, won, we won both races. I'm a big believer in not trying to do what somebody else does because you got to do what's kind of true to your personality um but do you at that age it's probably different now but at that age did you look at that with any regret like ah oh, i should have called them 12 times a day it doesn't seem to me to be your nature to be that guy to pester and pester and pester and pester i think i've changed i mean sure. I, I think yeah uh, i agree with you but i was dealing with lee and robbie was dealing with michael yeah. right lee had, yeah, lee yeah, had yeah. told so me and then the right. word from above came down sure. to lee like hey yeah. sure. hold up we're going to talk this through and see if that because I right. think they already had a commitment with the desert trucks sure. program so he was sponsors. Well so politically, he yeah. had, Robbie still had to do it. They couldn't just pull the pin on that, right. but yeah. they figured out a way where he could do both. Right. And um, so yeah, who knows? I mean, it may there was a connection there. Robbie was driving for Ford, sure. right. and I wasn't. I was just someone who came in yeah. for the day and went pretty quick. And they said, "Well, we'll give you a shot," you know. Right. So, but yeah, who knows? I mean, uh, I think I'd have needed more of an in as well. Yeah. And then a bit of pestering could have helped, but Robbie, as uh, his personality is it's vastly different. Different, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Is at that age were you kicking yourself at all, or were you kind of accepting of it even then? I was disappointed. Yeah. I mean, because you know, you said about '95 was that easy to just give it up? It's like it was easier then because it happened in Europe, and now yeah. it happened again. You've been through it. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And yeah. so it's like, do you have it in you to yeah. go through three? I mean, yeah, there's guys I mean, who have. Yeah. But, it's um, like girls file filing restraining orders, right, guys? <laughs> right, right, guys, right. Guys. We're all right. Stop yeah, looking you, at me. You get that third one, and it's like, so. then yeah. you know it's real. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you agreed. Absolutely. Um, but you get to go on and win the Daytona 24-hour, which has got to be a highlight of the career. It's like that's kind of one of my goals in, in my career. You get to win the Sebring 12 hours. Now, that's probably before they were giving out Rolexes per class. That's right. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was. Yeah, exactly. I think they started like a year or two later or something. <laughs> so that's the yeah. story. I hear that's every day. Yeah. yeah, they're like, that was yeah. before. Yeah, that yeah. was before. But yeah. um, so it's funny. After Sebring, I remember Tommy Kendall saying, dude, 
how did you do that? No one wins Daytona and Sebring. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he, he'd been around. I'm like, oh. And that's back when cars were breaking, like, yeah. all the time. Oh, yeah. He, like, no reliability it existed. Was, it was funny. Um, at Daytona, we, we ended up with a massive lead early, like you say, about yeah. cars breaking. And Jack Roush wasn't at the test, but he was at the race. And he didn't really say nothing to me all weekend. Mm -hmm. So we're, uh, I think we ended up with like a five-lap lead after like 12 or 13 hours or something because everyone else had drama and we were just trucking. Yeah. So it's in the middle of the night and uh, someone on the radio says, Calvin, it's Jack. Slow the hell down. <laughs> and I was like, Jack? Jack? <laughs> <laughs> Who the hell is Jack? <laughs> hey, Jack, it's Calvin. <laughs> Oh, uh, sorry, sir. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so switching gears a little bit back to now, now you're kind of going in the direction of the commentary stuff. You're doing some coaching and, and things like that. And, and it's always been like a, a joke I've had that I kind of said with Sean earlier. Uh, has any Little League dad, go-kart dad ever come up and been like, hey, Calvin, here's a cool grand of cash. Can you mention my kid on TV a little bit more? No, not no, not not a bribe. Like Dion von Mulkey's. Yeah, like we <laughs> <laughs> were they South African? Hey, what is the deal with the? I fucking hate that guy. What, what, what? <laughs> I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's a spoof. And then some people no. last week was like, No, they hate that no, guy. Yeah, they, Marco. No, I, so Marco is an evil guy. Like Marco Siegfried is one of the worst human beings on the face of the planet. Tell people what um, we're talking about in case they don't <laughs> know you. Rast did it as well, right? <laughs> yes. Rast was the yeah. best. Yeah. No, no, no. Okay, so there is, if you check out the Magnus uh, Twitter and Instagram, there is a random, not just one, there's like eight videos eight, that yeah. feature Marco Siegfried and Renee Rast looking at Dion von Mulkey in the background who has no idea what's going on yeah. and going, I fucking hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and at the, like corporate Audi yeah. functions, drivers yeah, meetings, <laughs> like drivers meetings, places of it. business. Yeah. It, so I'll tell you the real truth, um, which is it really had no thought, which I know is shocking because it looks like a very well made video. But uh, <laughs> um, uh, basically, so the Magnus guys, you know, so Seafried, Rast, Potter, what? and Lally at a at an Audi function for for media. And uh, uh, you, you've had to go to a few of these things, these like mixers that manufacturers will put on. BMW, you know, basically reserves a room and everybody and anyone can go in. So Audi does this where basically it's the it's a little B conference room at, at the Daytona Media Center. And so it's, you know, we're told it's going to be all these Audi media folks. And Audi's PR department does a great job. But uh, but let's just say USA Today wasn't there. Uh, it, was, it was Joe and Joe's blog, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and John DeGeese. Yeah, John yeah, DeGeese. Yeah. No, John DeGeese can, doesn't even have to go to this because he knows. These guys. He's above like, it. Yeah, he, John DeGeese is above <laughs> it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. So uh, these guys look up to John DeGeese. Uh. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so my point is like, there's like, and it's every Audi driver at Daytona is there. Yeah. So there's like at the, t I think there were four cars uh, that were with Audi this year. Right. Times four. So 16 drivers and four media people, right. and all four of them are like blogs that none of us know, and so no one has any interest in talking. To that. So it's literally just us hanging out. Right. And, and, of course, Dion Bamolke is an incredibly friendly, nice guy who yeah, just loves talking to people. So he's just, like, talking to anybody. Of course, yeah. most of these blog guys aren't comfortable, so they're going to, of course, be attracted to the nice, approachable guy. Sure. And here's the asshole <laughs> that Magnus just <laughs> hanging out in the corner like, uh, f*** this thing. So, um, <laughs> so, so I literally, like, I just pull up my iPhone. I'm just like, Marco, turn around. <laughs> and then that was it. That was it. Like, yeah. Say it, I hate that. They, and, and, like, and I had to say, like, and, 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 
Marco's response was, well, who's Dion? It's <laughs> 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 so, like, sure, what is Yeah, this? this is why I love Marco so much, because he'll do anything yeah. you know, that, that we ask him to do. But uh, but yeah, so it really started because we were bored at a media function. And then it's like, oh, Marco did it. He's like, hey, Renee. Yeah. You know? <laughs> He's like, yeah, no, I'll do it. Okay. Yeah. It's like, and then we just, and that started it. So now every time Renee or Marco is in the same vicinity as Dion, we just do it. And like, Dion's a, such a nice guy. Yeah, he is. And, and, and so it's, it's a lot of fun. But yeah. But, uh, yeah, and, and, you know, this was a month that, you know, our podcast had been out and doing well, and, yeah. and we, you know, put months of work into the mini brick video. and uh, <laughs> Brick figure. Brick figure video. Brick figure video. But yeah. I tell you, of all the videos that we've done in the last 12 months, the Tinder one and all that, the Dion Von Mulkey videos are by far that, the favorite thing I've done that's the, in the yeah. last 12 months. I think months. I was one of our producers. It was it Coda? We, I was Coda. Cause we Russ just did was, one at Coda. Yeah. yeah with Russ. Russ. He said, what's going on? What's with Von Mulkey? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's it like go a, well. yeah, 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 yeah. It didn't go well. It didn't go well. He said, no, there's some going on <laughs> see when that happens nice like job, dude. i think you, you know just this, made his whole yeah week. like, like <laughs> to me it's a success when no one knows it's a joke yeah right. like those are the best mo- like when ryan and i get in our bullshit we did twitter, a twitter feud a couple Twice years ago yeah. yeah and it was pretty bad yeah, yeah. <laughs> um oh so, yeah so back to dion valmolke's dad yeah bribing you for yeah. never happened no but like no you never get any pressure from because I can get people who are like, oh, can you get him on TV? Sure, yeah, sure. He's gonna. Uh, we're getting it. We're getting it for the podcast. Yeah, oh, yeah, like, really? oh, you know, my yeah. kid would be great on your show, yeah. and I'm like, uh, who? Yeah, well, you know, yeah. not not. Yeah. I mean, you get you get the yeah the little league dad who wants their boy on there because he yeah. thinks he's great. Yeah, there's some of that, but never to the point like drop right. you a few few right. bob and uh, get him on. But uh, well, if that happens from here on out, we expect a cut <laughs> for the idea. <laughs> I noticed. Uh, and this is we asked uh, Rutledge Wood when we had him on last year that you know what when you got the Top Gear ride you got a ton of haters and he's like oh god I, I had people that hated me for reasons I didn't even know existed and about a month ago I'm like scrolling through Twitter and somebody retweeted someone giving Brian Till a bunch oh for the F1 about stuff. F1 yeah, or something and yeah. I was like who's mad at Brian Till yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you get tweet tweet hate at all I, I'm kind of. <laughs> I'm kind of in the middle ground. I don't get a lot of love, but I don't get a lot of hate. <laughs> so I don't know what that means exactly. I think I'm kind of just. I can fix this. <laughs> I, think I I'm can a, get you the hate. And it, yeah. I can get you the hate. the hate. I guess that's why I've been there 20 years, a kind of an industry survivor. Right, you know? Just yeah. like middle of the road. Yeah. Middle yeah. of the road. That's but, where you um, want to be. You know, and, you know, a JB or a Tommy, they're yeah. there. I mean, you're going to have your high points. Do you but know what I mean? They also put themselves out there with comments and, and, yeah. and cheeky comments segments with drunk yeah. fans and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I need this yeah. job. So. <laughs> <laughs> Justin says what I'm thinking, but <laughs> right. I'm not going to get fired right. and I can still laugh at it, right? Yeah. Yeah, TK had a couple of gems during Petit oh, this past yeah. year, and I was like, I'm like, I guess he just doesn't care anymore. And yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah, one's going to th- be good. I think that one got a bit of attention <laughs> since then, actually. How often actually do you find yourself biting your tongue um, of just like not saying, what, why, what was he thinking? Or... You know, or even, you know, just among... We often guys. talk about doing a show when you know you're actually done. You know, like you're fired. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you're just going for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that would be pretty funny. Yeah. Not to name Andrew Marriott's name, but uh, <laughs> do you guys ever just leave the mic on for your own entertainment? <laughs> he and uh, Alan Decadene are two of the greatest guys to work with. I yeah. mean, I love Andrew's passion. I'm not sure. Andrew's in his 70s. I'm not sure what, which end of that right now, but I mean his passion and his knowledge. I just love the guy. I Absolutely. mean, every time he shows up, I mean, uh, 
he just brings something to the table. But I mean, we we were. Well, he definitely brings the unexpected. Yeah, he does. <laughs> and it, I, I, like Greg Creamer said the other day, I said, he said, I think Andrew thinks he's on radio because he just like turns his mic on and just starts chatting. To <laughs> you know, there's no throw down to Andrew. Right. So like, oh, Andrew's on. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> he just loves it. He just can't help it. He gets yeah, so yeah. excited. Right. Absolutely. Right. I did. Uh, I did Sebring for MRN a couple of years ago. I helped them out with uh, Greg Kramer was one of the hosts and I uh, got to watch him work kind of thing. And I was supposed to be like the color commentary yep. basically. And uh, one of the things I, I applaud to this day and I, anytime I talk to somebody that's going to be broadcasting, I always try to wish them well on their broadcast. Like Kenton Cook's been doing the MX five races yeah, okay. for Mazda. And I, whenever I see him, I'm like, Hey, good, good luck today. Or, you know, good job. Cause what I learned very quickly was that you guys don't always have something to talk about. And so when you don't have something to talk about, you can't have dead air. Right. So Greg was, like, able to come up with, uh, yeah, that's the car that two years ago was built in the garage at so-and-so's when they had a fire. And you're like, why is he talking about that? And it's like because he's got nothing else to say right, right. now because everything's normal. Right. There's no story. There's no breaking thing yet. So he's got to keep the, the, the tempo going. Well, especially in the lesser-funded productions where you don't have a pit team you can cut back to. I mean, yeah. you're, you know, it's like World Challenge. It's just two guys in a booth, really. Yeah. I mean, it's like you've yeah. got to make We did it Sprint well, this X this year. Oh, the first race God, was eight cars at most. Eight cars. Yeah, right. And right. it was like, but we cut really eight. tight, so we'd just follow <laughs> one or two cars. Yeah. Yeah. And with the pit stops, and people loved it. We yeah. just managed to, like, just keep it going. And right. Greg Gills just said, that, that was amazing. Yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do that. <laughs> yeah, you could have had 30 cars there. That would, sure. wouldn't have been any different, just the way they cut the show. So Greg, Greg's amazing. I mean, uh, again, the passion that he has. For, I mean, yeah. he comes from a very different – I mean, a lot of us are ex-racers, and Greg, he did a little bit of amateur racing, yeah. and I think he'd like to have done a bit more. But um, he's coming out at it from a different perspective, and to think that you know, he, he used to do corner workers, yeah. working and stuff yeah. like that. So he, he's had this love of motorsport. When we did the World Challenge stuff, we're now on site. Ironically, the live stuff with IMSA, I'm not on site. <laughs> the World Challenge stuff, I'm on site, but it's tape delayed. Yeah. <laughs> Figure that one out. <laughs> right. But we used to do them in a voiceover fashion in Indy. Now, Greg's already been at the event because he used to do the track announce wow. for the series. So he knows what's happened. He knows what's happened. Yeah. He's called the race already, and I'll come down to breakfast before we go to the studio, and he's down there taking notes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's on it. Yeah. He never mails it in. Do you so, know what I mean? Yeah, so did you ever try to sound particularly knowledgeable and predict moves? I was going to say, happen? I would totally do that. Yeah. <laughs> be like, like, you know, I'm looking at that car. It looks like it might have a motor problem. Yeah. <laughs> I won't <laughs> name names, but we we have a, a moniker for that. Oh, yeah. He yeah, he yeah. ever lead that one. Do you know Yeah, I mean? there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that means he won by a lap. Yeah. I got a feeling that, that rear suspension, I mean, I reckon in about three hours, that thing could start to fall apart. Right, man. right. <laughs> I've been so lucky though to work with some great people. Um, you know, Lee was was great. I mean, we we were good mates. We used to live like a, a yeah. nine iron or a three wood for him from each other. <laughs> I, that's a golf joke. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to follow. <laughs> Not gonna pretend. And uh, I, I think probably with no disrespect to the group we have now, or we've had since then. But I think back in the uh, Grand Am days, we had. Uh, Lee, Dorsey, and myself in the booth, and yeah. Brian and Chris Neville in the pits. And yeah. our bosses used to said that we there's no other broadcast team that like you guys. He said, if I want to find one of you guys, I can call any one of you because yeah. you're all going to be together. Oh, <laughs> do you, <laughs> no, do you cool. know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It's just but that's got to be so right. important. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. we were just mates, and yeah. you know, it was ten years or more ago, and you know, you'd you'd party a little bit more not to excess but every night you'd be out to dinner together yeah. and it was just a fun time so outside of the commentary thing you also do driver management and so 
and but I've never seen like any advertising for it. I've never seen a website or I don't, I don't know if you have a company name or whatever. But I know you work with big, you know, really prolific drivers in the series. Yeah, I mean, uh, Joey's probably <coughs> the the biggest one that yeah. we've worked together and um yeah, something that I had to think long and hard about and I went to my bosses at Speed way back when to make sure they were cool with it and they said they didn't have to say anything yeah, right. to it. They said like you know what you can't do is like be biased in the broadcast. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's been fun with Joey. We've been great mates, and there's another handful of guys that I work with. Just on terms of really leveraging being in the industry for so long, in terms of pointing them in the right direction, making their deals better, yeah. getting them a step ahead of the game for the next program. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's been rewarding. I mean, I like it, and I think ultimately at the end of the day, if uh, the broadcasting should stop for whatever reason. Um, you know, you're always trying to create something new for yourself moving forward. So there's not a lot of people who do it, you know, and I think um, I get asked a lot to help other drivers, but I just, just try and keep it really small and just... When I assume from a... Well, actually, I kind of want to break this down a little more, but I also assume from a credibility standpoint, the more guys you represent, the less they're going to listen to you if when you say, you got to take everybody. a look at this guy. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, yeah. but that was actually... Uh, I was talking about this with Lally uh, earlier today who does not have a manager, but, um, you know, we were <coughs> obviously going to have dinner and, and you know, I... I have my whole other career in Hollywood. And so the need for agents and managers actually makes sense over there in, in my world because there's a thousand studios and production heads and whatnot. So you, you need somebody that's networked into that so that you can just do your acting or directing or whatever it is. But to me in the world of sports car, it's, it's the same 12 assholes all across the paddock. So, so do we really, do you really need somebody representing you and Andy who doesn't have a manager said, yeah, actually had he had you, there might be a couple deals that he didn't get uh, around because when you're talking to ex team owner or manufacturer representative, they're going to listen to what Calvin Fish has to say about take a look at this guy. Right. Um, and I guess that I don't really have a question outside of like, it seems like that's kind of the role you play in this. Yeah, And I think, you know, in my mind, I just like to have just a few guys that I help out. Uh, I get a lot of satisfaction of, you know, what Joey's been able to do has been fun, you know, to get into DTM. Obviously, it didn't work out as right. we'd all hoped for. But, but a uh, big and opportunity. And yeah, how early like did you come into Joey's career? Uh, Thank you. End of 2010. Okay, so, so by this two thousand, yeah, yeah, he was just firmly established, yeah, and he yeah. was just at the time. I think earlier that year, he looked like he, he talked to me a little bit, and he said, "Oh man, I'm really struggling here," and I don't think he had a deal locked down. And he did race, and right. then he, he got him with BMW because uh, he's been with Tom and stuff. And then he got the factory deal, and uh, he said, "What do you think?" I said, "Well, you know, uh, first and foremost, the broadcasting." is number one yeah uh, and uh, i have to be you know conscious of that totally and um so prior to joey you hadn't you weren't a manager so this is a very new thing yeah i mean i helped ben devlin that a little bit yeah just because of we're from the same that's, a, that's yeah, so funny to me yeah. that like his his dad was i knew his dad was around but like when i read that article about ed's cafe i was like what like yeah because that was my first year in racing as a mechanic because when ben came over right and he was i think only a year or two older than me so he and i would always get room together and pal around together because we're close to the same age so but i've been asked i mean some names uh, sam hornish's dad asked me way back dan weldon beat me up for a long time yeah. and it's just i was too busy i was back when i was doing sure. riding drives and sure. i was just yeah and i knew what it took i mean it's like when you yeah. say yes yeah then it's your problem now. yeah well you, you, you got to be as committed as a driver as in terms of this is his career and yeah 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 so you, when you when you say yes it's like you you better be in you know so uh 
Where did the term argy bargy come from? And is that the most common thing fans say to you? Well, it's weird. I, I, st I don't know why. I, I mean, it, it is a term from the UK that you'll use. Okay. And it is, I think if you look up, it's like disagreement or something. Sure, sure. So it is real. Everyone yeah. says bullshit. Well, <laughs> no, actually, it, it, is, it is real. But some of the people who pay the bills didn't like it. It was like not you know, um, professional enough, I ah, guess. Get into, out of here. Uh, yeah. so, so I actually backed off. <laughs> really? Yeah, really? I, I, I actually backed off. Right. Back. Yeah, I actually back. Okay, so I'm going to start using I it in back. every interview I do. We'll, yeah. kinda, we'll make it a thing. Actually, this podcast will yeah, make it we, a thing. We're, we're, hashtag we, RG Bargy. We can actually we need to have a little bet going because uh, Rockefeller so so and I had a bet you backed off of it. Uh yeah probably a couple of years ago oh, f I got no yeah, it's, it's coming, coming back, back. yeah, yeah. No, I got happening. word like yeah we're we're not really into that if you can use at the Fox Sports what are you doing <laughs> FS1 okay IMSA. so if you're listening to this uh, so, and we know you are because last year the joke was no one's gonna hear this yeah but and then, then our numbers were for some reason really good and now Spencer can't go anywhere without being told he killed somebody so. right so now we're gonna have to have you tweet at Calvin Fish. Uh, hashtag RG Bargy. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll make it a thing. And then when that comes up, you can look at my Twitter feed. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So. But Rockenfeller and, and I were at a Pirelli, I think it was like we'll 2003, we'll 2004. And Mike uh, and I were at this uh, Pirelli deal. We'll and uh, there was this guy um, talking about Pirelli tires and the fabric of the company. Stop saying Pirelli tires. Yeah, this is the Continental Tire <laughs> Podcast. So, <laughs> this tire manufacturer. There you go. Yes. Boom. And they're talking about the fabric of the company. And he must have said it like 18 times. And Rocky and I are like looking at each other like, yeah. enough of the fabric. And I said, okay, we've got a bear. Whenever I can say fabric in an interview with you, you uh, owe me 50 bucks whenever you can get it back. I like that. 50 bucks. Oh, yeah. so fabric. That's yeah. good. Fabric. That's so, good. we'd pick a yeah. word, and that was pretty yeah. funny. Cause Synergy. And sometimes, <laughs> and when I went to the booth, I'd then call down and say, "Okay, Chris, ask Rocky what the fabric of his uh, suit is." Oh, this there and, you and go. And he'd say it, and then Rocky's like, "There, that's another <laughs> fifty bucks." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. Red cream that's is awesome. the best. We were doing the runoffs one year, and um, you'd you'd uh, alternate teams and it was Greg and I don't know if it was Dorsey or anyway I was not on Greg's team so you'd do a race and then you jump in and yeah. out of the booth or you do two races and so I was in the booth I think it was Formula 4 to Formula 4 2000 and you had uh, Jonathan Bottoms and someone Dick and they ran the tr track yes. at the same time and I said so I slid in this little piece of paper I said buy your dinner if you can get and within 10 seconds Got I it. said oh Dick down <laughs> the inside of Bottoms <laughs> oh and that's the 69 upside down and the gravel <laughs> I mean, just like <laughs> put it straight in there. I'm like, wow, that didn't take long. Uh, I still yeah. haven't bought him dinner, but yeah. so when it's the runoffs, you just don't give a shit. Oh, the runoffs. <laughs> that I mean, when when <laughs> when I had a, back in the old days, I used to have like a minimum 25 event a year deal with yeah. with Speed when we had a lot more racing platforms. Right. So where it was like you didn't know what you were doing, and right. they would get to the runoffs time. And it wasn't. I don't love the runoffs because I do. I mean, I I'm all about what they're it getting, is about. They're getting better and better. Lately. Yeah, but yeah. to prep for it. And you've got Greg there who knows everyone because he's been to every freaking He actually SEC. knows them. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, right, knows right, them. Right, yeah, right, he knows right. their crew chief and he knows every corner right, on every corner. Yeah. And then you'd get me and Hobbs in there and Hobbs is like, well, that red one looks quick today. <laughs> oh, the blue one just passed the black one. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and, of course, you get back to me like want to be perfect. So I'd like try and run around and get some homework on it. And it just, I mean, I'd just, just come out of the end yeah. of that week just totally exhausted. Right. A thousand cars. Because, yeah, it's just like, yeah. it's such a tremendous event, but you just felt you were so unprepared to do yeah. it justice right um 
but yeah, it, it is tricky. Are there like golden rules that you can't mention on the air? Like, for example, Johnny O'Connell has gotten off for attempted murder, and it is never mentioned That's on the true. air. That's true. Yeah, he tried to he tried to kill Dario Franchitti. You knew about that, though. I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 He was within two seconds of that happening. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a good question. Like, since you didn't go to any sort of school for, for commentary or anything like that, at, at any point were they like, okay, the seven words you can't say, uh, anything about personal stuff you can't say, or is it just one of those things where they're like, like with the Joey Hand thing where it's like it's understood you don't favor a right, driver. Right, But is there, a, is there like a rule book for commentary where they're like, oh, whoa, whoa, you actually said this and we, we can't? There isn't, but um – I'll never forget at Le Mans one year. When we used to go to Le Mans, we had this uh, company used to handle all the RF equipment, and you'd get there, and it was a bit of a shambles. I loved the guys, but they'd have, like, this box of crap on the table, and you'd just flown from the other side of the... You know, you'd done a bunch of prep right, for this right, race, and right. the piece of equipment you're about to put on your head, they're, like, screwing yeah, it together and duct tape and, like, right, yeah. doing all this. And so I, I was going to go back on the air, like, in the middle of the night, and stuff's not working. So I'm, I'm frustrated because I've been off the air for three hours. I'm ready to get back in the show. And right. it was an exciting race. And I just want to get back in right. there and participate, right, and stick the stuff on and start working. So they're, like, fumbling around. And apparently during this time, uh, Jean-Paul Belmondo had been taken out of the race. And Amanda Stratton was uh, a reporter that we had down yeah. in the pits, yeah. obviously female girl. And uh, <laughs> she interviews Jean-Paul Belmondo, and he says, this f***ing <laughs> took me out, and Rick Miner, our boss at oh Speed, came out of the truck like, <laughs> <laughs> so that's one thing that doesn't go down, so, and she was pregnant at the time, <laughs> so, so to a female, A, you don't say yeah, it, yeah, anyway, yeah. and then to a female, right. a pregnant female on the air. And the best part was she just kept rolling like nothing had like, happened. Hey, yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Okay, so uh, a very important note that that's our first C word. That is our <laughs> first, our first C, C, word. C word. We're going to bleep everything. Yeah, uh, and by C, we don't mean continental. But in England, <laughs> that's the funny thing. In England, like people Yeah, people say it so freely, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. we were we were over at the house. That, you know Jeff Perna? Yeah, very well. And, well, um, I know who he is very well, yeah. And a bunch of the guys, uh, it was when Speed first got F1. So I think it was on ESPN. Yeah. And like the day of the race, Bernie did a swap around so I got all these people over to watch the F1 race, yeah. and it's on speed. Well, yeah. I didn't have speed, yeah. and it, we're sitting there to watch ESPN. It's like, turn it on, it's not on. Yeah. So I got my cousin on the phone. This is 96, maybe. I got my cousin on the phone giving me a blow-by-blow blow of what's going on. Sure. And he says, feel nerves drawing like a complete <laughs> so I say, Phil Nev's driving like a complete <laughs> And I see all these guys because their wives are with them. Because <laughs> you're just, you're defaulted to your English. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's yeah, and yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah, and yeah. they're like, <laughs> you know. And all the girls are like, not okay. <laughs> it's like in England, you use it. Yeah, yeah, really. yeah. You should see some of my texts. Sort of like Let's straight. see them. Let's yeah, read yeah, them out loud. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Stiffy and I and his and uh, Kelly Stavis' uh, fiance yeah. Gavin, we have like a Formula One like okay. little bet thing, and yeah. we, the grief we give each other. Sure. So like, the c word will be used like 
three Any, times in every yeah, 10 words. Yeah, exactly. You know, like like Has there ever been somebody you've had to interview that you were legitimately starstruck by or, or like a big fan of so you couldn't wait to talk to? I remember this champ car race at Long Beach and uh, Paul McCartney was there. Oh, yeah. With his wife at the time, Heather Mills. Sure, yep. Well, that's the one that got half, right? Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this is pretty funny because, so they're like, Paul, Paul McCartney's going to be here for the ED. They've been to, I think, Newman or Letterman. I don't know. Some reason he was in town and yeah. someone had said, yeah. come at the race. So McCartney shows up. And they're like, hey, McCartney's down in the pit lane. you got to go down and see him. So run down there and he's with Heather Mill. And uh, I said, hey, mate, can we have a chat? He said, yeah, yeah, mate, no problem, no problem. So I'm chatting to him. And it was loud. Yeah. Pit lane, races going on. And uh, so we're having a chat. What are you doing here? Oh, I was in town. Da, 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 da. So uh, I, I asked him, I can't remember how I put it, but I basically said, you know, who's the quick driver in the family? Like, you're Heather, yeah. And he yeah. didn't hear me. And, and I almost said, who's the lead foot in the family? <laughs> nice. nice. And I had no idea. I didn't know. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> right. And right. then afterwards, they said, right. You know that, and I'm like, oh, mate, I, I'm uh, like, I, I was this close <laughs> to saying it, and you could just yeah. imagine how that would have yeah, gone down. Yeah, yeah, like a lead balloon? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't have had a leg to stand on. <laughs> uh, speaking of the F-bomb, I nearly had an F-bomb on the air once. That was one of my questions I had for yeah, you. At Le Mans, <laughs> it was the end of the race, and we're doing like a final thoughts thing, so you've been yeah. 24-hour race, you're yeah. exhausted. yeah. And, okay, we're going to do a whip round everyone's thoughts on the race, and everyone goes, and it comes in Calvin. And I go, and they haven't turned my mic on. And I go again, and the mic's still not on, and I go again. And I'm like, turn that. <laughs> and I, I, I mean, it was <laughs> <laughs> just as it opened up. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, that's as close as it's been. So keeping your own clients out, um, <laughs> you know, you've driven against Senna, you've managed drivers, thinking about the current let's say under 25 crop who who in the modern era would you say gets it why does that have to be under 25 because i don't want to get you going what about me could say 30 and under i'm 32 oh, okay fair enough <laughs> but no like there's i honestly don't think of that many 25 year old guys that you could say they could really it say got it. okay because they're well, still i'll go under 30. Like three of them but i'm just saying <laughs> uh Anybody other than me at this table who gets it? Is that better? <laughs> and and that right, doesn't so. mean that I yeah, do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, and if you if you don't want to name names, it's fine. Like what what are the ingredients that you go? Okay, this kid, he's got that thing. I think Dane's done a great job this year. Holy <laughs> called it. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. said you said you were going to say Dane yeah, because yeah. Which I agree with. I, I think <laughs> he brings all the ingredients, and I think this year. Um, He's been able to take risks and still bring it home. Yeah. Uh, and just with the dynamic there and, you know, with the team. I mean, Christian and Joao are really tough to beat. Yeah. And um, They've been there forever. Yeah, they've been there forever. And uh, he knows in certain races, particularly the shorter races, that you got to make it happen now. And he's made it happen. He's pretty determined this year. So yeah. I, think, um, I think his year has been pretty spot on. What are you, what's your take on modern racing i mean obviously you came up when it was like cutthroat and in a world that loved motorsports in england in the 50s through even now they still are very proactive on trying to get someone to f1 whereas over here it's not really a priority by any means 
Where do you see racing going as a, as a whole? And you probably see the numbers on TV ratings and things like that that none of us are privy to, probably for a good good reason. Right. What's your take? Are we Can we fix it? Are we wasting our time? I don't know. I think BOP, I mean, if I look at it from a personal standpoint, when I'm at the track talking to teams, it, 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 it monopolizes 90% of your discussions that you have with people. Yeah. Um, so that's really unfortunate, but I guess the sport has become such a huge investment for a manufacturer, for example, to step into the IMSA championship, whether it's GTD or GT Le Mans, that they almost need <laughs> some guarantees. It's like, well, this is going to come out. It's like, well, what matters? You're either going to be BOP'd up or down. Yeah. Long, long as you're somewhere in the box, They'll you should be okay. Yeah. So I guess that makes it more attractive that they can... I'm not saying one does, but you could almost sell that. It's like, well, as long as you're in here, yeah. we'll get you right. so you can yeah. be competitive. Right. So I guess it's a way of attracting um, manufacturers because it is a huge investment. And if you get it wrong, yeah. you know, but when money. you go back to like stuff your dad worked with and stuff where the innovation yeah. uh, would win races and days of even going back to like, uh, late 80s, 90s with Nissan or Toyota and coming up with these GTP cars and yeah. boom, boom, boom. You know, you're whatever, two seconds quicker than anyone or yeah. whatever. Yeah, I mean, those days are just gone. So um, I guess in some ways it makes the racing, but I can't imagine, can you imagine having like BOP and F1? So you don't have to have it. I yeah. mean, innovation there is at its highest level. They create a set of regulations, but it's not like when Red Bull was struggling. They gave them anything. Yeah, they just exactly had to work right. hard and come back yeah. and yeah. develop the car. So now they're they're race winners again. So um, the driver ratings thing is just a mess. It's just uh, it's just really unfortunate. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we all know who's a who's a pro and a non-pro. Do you know what I yeah. mean? And uh, there's obviously a really gray line there. And but like anything with racing you want that advantage so yes. you're going to uh, it's like trump talk, talking about his taxes do you know what i mean <laughs> if it's there if there's a loophole then you're going to run right through it yeah, right so yeah. if there's a if there's a silver driver whether it's a marco seafried or whoever yeah. uh, and he's a silver or paltala when you know he ran yeah, with turner a sure. couple of years ago yeah. it's like of course they're going to do that of course you're going to yeah. do it yeah. right yeah. you're stupid yeah. not to yeah what's your little girl watch on tv what does she what, what we the missus doesn't let her watch a lot of TV. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but okay. she, um, oh, it's Peppa Pig or Mickey Mouse Club. She's <laughs> three and a half, so it's. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so funny to me, like, because, like, Spence has kids now and, like, yeah. other friends I have, and these are all, like, you know, guys that are totally cool guys. Yeah. But they know names like Peppa Pig. And yeah. all. <laughs> it's yeah. always funny to see that change. How'd you meet Heather? Uh, through her mom. Okay. Because um, was she from Atlanta? as well or did she move here she's from she's uh from chicago okay and she'd been living in california and um i'd been living up in uh, chicago and uh was living with a girl and uh we went in different directions and then i'm up there all the family came in they're like what are you doing i was like you're up here it's like the tundra do you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, like, right here, yeah. right. <laughs> and i'm like yeah, yeah yeah you're right i need to make a move i need to make a move so uh the freebie newspaper had landed on the driveway, which typically goes straight in the recycle bin. Somehow it had made it onto the counter that week. Okay. Everyone had left after Christmas and said, you know, you should be making a move. So I opened up the freebie newspaper, and there's this uh, lady who's like the number one real estate agent in the area. I'm like, I'll give her a call. So it's Heather's mom. Yeah. So 
we meet and she puts the house on the market and Heather had just moved back from Berkeley, California. She'd okay. been out there teaching. And um, so she moved back and uh, Heather's mum insists it wasn't a setup. But we, she said, oh, you'd really like Heather and you guys, you know, you tr both like to travel and this, yeah. that and the other. And so I'm like, oh, this is like not really cool because if I don't like her and she's my real estate. Yeah, right, right, right. So I'm thinking, well, why not? I got the perfect out. Oh, she's really nice. But, you know, I think it's a bit weird. You know, you try to sell my house. So I got the perfect house okay. out and uh, we met. And what was funny, we're, so it was the three of us went to dinner. This little oh, Mexican so mom place. came. Mom came. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> How old That's were you at this weird. point? Uh, this was 2008. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Fairly recent. Yeah. So mum came, and so it's going really well, and Heather and I are like clicking, and so I said, okay, uh, anyone want to go for a drink? And mum says, yeah, I'll go. <laughs> 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 well, that's not Damn the idea, mum. No, no. Let me ask that again. Let me ask again. Yeah. But the funny thing was, and Heather <laughs> was absolutely so, the rest is history. We're obviously married and got Livy now, and... Uh, so uh, this was like, say, February, I think. And then uh, she moved in by the summer. And then I'd already committed. I'd already, where I live now, I'd already committed to building the house down here. Okay. So I hadn't sold yet, but I'd committed to building. So this was going on. So I said, well, I don't, I'm moving to Atlanta. Are you cool with that? And she said, yeah, yeah, I, I moved back, but I don't really like the cold either. So that was all good. Right. So we're moving and uh, we're, we're entering my office. And like a week after we met, Heather's mum had almost like put this resume of Heather in my mailbox. Nice. <laughs> With the all these like <laughs> letters from like people she had worked for. And like references. Like, Heather's <laughs> like, she, put, she said, what's this? I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> your, mom, your mom dropped that off like a couple of weeks after we met. And she was like cool. on the rev limit. Not cool, mom. Yeah. I swear it's not a setup. Here's yeah. everything yeah. you know <laughs> ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Baby pictures. Yeah, uh, that's good stuff. Nice. That's funny. That's uh, that's two real estate agent stories because yeah. Johnny O apparently had no intention of moving from Sonoma. Right. And uh, somebody talked him into trying to go work at Bondurant full time in Phoenix or whatever, and so he ends up getting a real estate agent. And the real estate agent's like, "Oh, you can buy a great house down there for less money than here." And he moves down there, and that gets him the Nissan test because he's in the right place at the right time. So. Trust your real estate agent. It's yeah. funny, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I mean, literally from a freebie newspaper that could have gone yeah. 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 to yeah. you're married with a a beautiful daughter. So, yeah, yeah it doesn't take much to uh, That's pretty cool. change nice. life's direction. But all good stuff. How was the food, by the way? It was great. Good. Was and yours. this is your this is kind of your place? Um, One of a few. Yeah, as you, like I said, we're lucky around here. There's within five minutes, there's a bunch of, of decent places. Yeah, so uh, yeah. Well, I uh, I would say Continental's got the check. I'm finished. Wow, that was such a great episode. That guest really knew how to tell a story. Did you like that, Calvin Fish, Ryan Eversley, who has been sitting with me through all of these edits? You're welcome, Sean. I'm right here. Awesome. Now, I love Calvin Fish. The dude gives us the time. He's awesome to hang out with. He's just sort of a guy. But more importantly, it gives me an excuse to play some of the greatest British punk rock of all time. 
Uh, and uh, that includes an amazing group called The Exploited. And I'm sorry, Calvin. Uh, here's a song called Sex and Violence. Enjoy. I want to go to Uttersfeld. Uttersfeld. <laughs> 